Hey guys, Mubarak Shah, CPA here of Corp Dev World. Hope you're doing well. In this episode, I'm going to talk more about the basics of corporate development and M&A. All right. So in the prior episodes, we talked about some of the definitions, you know, what corporate development is. And I want to go into more about mergers and acquisitions um, and why they're so important for you as a business owner, why you have to think about them, understand them, and really how they need to be more of a core function. You know, I think a lot of people nowadays, they worry about their website, they worry about their growth, their revenue, their operations, and that's definitely still very important, right? And then you move up. Um, I mean, that's, that's, that's what you need to even kind of think about this. But there's a really core concept that you've probably heard of, but I want to kind of expound upon a little bit, which is the whole buy versus build concept. All right. And so at the core of it, I'll do a whole nother episode on that. But essentially what the core of it is, is when you're coming, thinking about a new revenue stream or a new product or a new market to go into, right, in order to increase your business <clears throat> or to cut your expenses, right, to increase your profitability overall, um, do you do that yourself with your own team? Right. And that means you have to divert the attention of your current employees. You have to put money at risk from like your day to day operations. You might have to get, you know, new financing. You have to do the research. Do you have to kind of, you know, there's a lot of inertia and momentum required in order to kind of take something right from zero to one to get something started. You know, whereas the other philosophy is that what if you just buy it rather than building it from scratch? You know, so big companies do this all the time. It's the philosophy of these big companies, Amazon, Facebook, General Electric, Google, Cisco, that have grown dramatically and built revenues. They do it through aggressive acquisition programs. And the reason for that is because it buys you time, essentially, and sometimes the talent, too. So, for example, if you think about how Facebook acquired Instagram, Right. One of the main core reasons why Zuckerberg was okay with that and and why it was such a good push was, yes, it seemed like expensive back then when he bought it for a billion. But now, first of all, it's probably worth 100x that if you were to spin it off into its own business. But in general, what his core philosophy was, and you can look it up online and maybe I'll link to it in the show notes. But he believed that he's buying time and that he's able to kind of acquire the Instagram team to make sure that nobody else, yes, Facebook could have, they had enough money, they could have taken a team, sketched it out, developed it, wireframed it, you know, brought it to market and started advertising it. But instead, they decided to not divert their attention, to not spend that time, and instead just buy the business. All right. And so it's a type of strategy. And that's where corporate development comes into play. That's where this whole buy versus build and why M&A in the first place. Well, it's because it's another way to hit your revenue targets. It's another way to grow, another way to cut your expenses. So it's a way to that like seasoned executives and entrepreneurs, you're always trying to look for efficient and profitable ways to increase your revenues and gain market share. Right. So when you're thinking strategy, the options are like organic inorganic or by external means, right? So organic might be if you're thinking about marketing or if you think about SEO, organic might be like, hey, you're ranking on Google, right? But we know how long that takes. Or if you don't, that takes about like six months nowadays before you see even like the slightest bit of results. And it's really, you're talking about years of a game. So that's why a lot of people do inorganic growth, which is the whole VC world and Facebook ads and Google ads. But that, you know, people burn millions and millions of dollars. A lot of times, if you look at, you know, companies that have raised money, especially a lot of the ones that end up going bust, um, 
they spend too much on paid advertising. Sometimes a third, sometimes half of the money that they raise goes into paid advertising. And so it seems good because it seems like you're acquiring this whole category of customers, right? But then the issue that happens is that it's not, you know, it's not consistent because you have to always spend that money to get it. And so in this scenario, external revenue growth has to do with things like franchising, licensing, joint ventures, strategic alliances, or buying another company. All right. And so, you know, I just want to kind of be clear about the definition between uh, mergers and acquisitions because they're often confused or used interchangeably. And uh, it's it's pretty important to understand the technical definition of the words. So I'm going to pull it from um, this guy, David L. Scott from like Wall Street Words, an A to Z guide to investment terms uh, for today's investor. So it's basically it's laid out in the following way. A merger is like a combination, right? It's a combination of two or more companies in which the assets and the liabilities of the selling firm are absorbed by the buying firm. And although the buying firm may be a considerably different organization after the merger, it retains its original identity. So a merger of equals between XM and Sirius to form Sirius XM is an example where you see basically both of them end up changing. Both companies are now in a new company. Um, Whereas an acquisition is the purchase of an asset or a company like a plant, a division, a factory, or an entire company. So, for example, Adobe bought Figma, Oracle's acquisition of Sun Microsystems in 2009, things, things of that nature. So a merger typically refers to like two companies joining together, and an acquisition typically has one company, which is the buyer, that purchases the assets or shares of the seller. So something disappears in that seller. And then it's important to understand, going even a step further, that there's two types of purchases you can do. You know, you, sometimes you hear me saying assets, shares, and the reason is because a company, due to different tax ramifications and things of that nature and kind of operating agreements, but you can actually buy like the assets, right, on a balance sheet, on a company's balance sheet, it's AR, it's inventory, it's, you know, PP&E, um, property plan and equipment, but you can either purchase that or you can actually buy the shares. So sometimes you'll hear of a stock purchase. Sometimes you'll hear of an asset purchase. And they're actually two very different concepts, especially once you get into the tax world. And I'm actually going to make a note because I want to make a, a whole um, you know episode just on that because it refines my own understanding too because I do some good research. And it's just important to know because if you're getting into the world of corporate development of M&A, you know, you're going to basically have people trying to buy and you have to understand just a little bit of a touch point here from a buyer standpoint, they usually like to do what's called an asset purchase for two reasons. One, they get to get some good tax benefits from a step up of basis in the assets, which means they basically get to take your assets and redepreciate them, which would be a non-cash expense, which would, you know, in reduce their taxable income, reduce their taxes, blah, blah, blah. But really the real also reason there is that when they're just buying your assets, they're not, you don't, you're not buying the liabilities of the company. You're not worried about the past or the shares or the operating agreement. So for a buyer, it's a lot cleaner. Um, whereas for a seller, if you're looking to sell the company, sometimes you might want to do a stock sale because you want to kind of get rid of, you know, your shares and also the kind of whole situation with the company. So, you know, that's just something to keep in mind, but let's get back into it. Um, you know, why are these large corporations and what, you know, my thesis is that I think more firms and more companies and my goal with this podcast is to help enlighten founders 
that you can go out and purchase companies to help grow your company as bolt-ons, uh, tuck-ins, acquisitions. Um, and so obviously large corporations are acquiring strategic targets always with the aim of attaining goals that they couldn't have achieved you know, prior to that. So that's kind of like, you know, because you have to understand these companies have to end up being, uh, they have like revenue targets, right? Especially public companies, they have to show somehow every quarter they need to have better performance, better earnings, and, uh, you know, meet the, uh, meet the expectations of analysts while also thinking long term. And so sometimes the best solution to that problem of consistent growth is an acquisition. And, you know, there's a cyclical nature to M&A. It's often driven by cycles. So both at like a macro level in the overall marketplace. Um, so, for example, there was a lot more M&A when there was more availability of capital. The state of the economy is strong. And then obviously on a micro level on the basically industries. But um, there's different stages, obviously, of, of M&A and, and corporate development, which I kind of want to talk about. But really, you have to start thinking about what company out in the space, right? It, it, it won't just happen out of the blue. It's a, it's a muscle you need to train. It's a skill you need to develop. And just like how the VC founders should always be spending, you know, a quarter or 20% of their time. Some people even say a third of their time, depending on how big of a CEO they are, uh, you know, looking for talent and recruiting. In the same way, there all should be, I don't think it has to be that big, but I do believe it should take up maybe five to 10% of your time because you want to set yourself up in the best position to be able to kind of get that sale or get that exit or get that relationship built between it. Um, and, you know, sometimes deals don't always go in your favor. You know, there's a concept of like, obviously nobody ever plans to enter into a bad deal, right? But sometimes a lot of well-intentioned business executives and companies enter into mergers and acquisitions that they later regret. You know, like there's a whole concept of, um, you know, Yahoo's fall and issues that they had and their purchase of AOL and their purchase of other companies. So it's really just a kind of a matter of understanding the motivations, right? And so I think for the seller, the key motivators are pretty straightforward and, you know, kind of open to a whole episode itself, but really understanding the motivations in an acquisition versus between uh, the buyer and the seller, like the seller, it, it could be an owner who's retire, uh, near retirement. So that's happening pretty often right now with the baby boomer generation. Um, there's the sometimes inability to compete, right? You just have two big competitors. You're just tired, you're fatigued. Um, and sometimes you have a mission that you know that if you get access to the greater resources, of an acquiring company, then you can actually achieve your mission. So if you're truly passionate about a certain problem that you're solving and that's why your business is there, then you're not really too much focused on, hey, how much can I make and how much profit can I pull out of this and can I become a millionaire or billionaire? You're actually trying to solve the problem that you're out to do. And so sometimes just putting the right team together with the right resources of a larger buyer or of a larger company that could be kind of the right move for you. So there's a whole bunch of different motivations, you know, sellers, sometimes a desire to retire, lack of successors, you know, if like 
you know, your dad and, and you, you know, spent decades growing your company and now your kids don't really care for it in terms of they don't want to take it over and they have other careers and, 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 and goals and aspirations, then you'll probably need to figure out a way to sell the company so you can still kind of capitalize on it and benefit from the opportunity. Um, and then always is age and health concerns and, um, you know, getting tired, fatigued, not having the right people around you. You know, there's there's so much things that are required to run a business successfully. So unless you really have a lot of good things going on in your life or at least situations being handled and just an insane amount of sheer will uh, willpower and focus, like it's hard to stay motivated to be a business owner. And so that's why these sales happen, because people have spent months, years, maybe even decades growing a company and then you know, they don't just want it to kind of disappear into thin air, but they just also might not be in the mood to run that company themselves anymore. You know, and that's matched with the marketplace of buyers who just like have a desire to grow. And really one of the things we're going to be talking about is really how to do acquisitions, right? How can you do it even if you don't have the money? A lot of people think you have to be super rich and you need to have millions in the bank. And no, I mean, I'm not going to say you can do it with no money down, even though there are all people that teach that and we will go into that detail. Um, but sometimes you don't need as much money as you think. Like you can do deals with four figures, five figures, um, depending on how big your company is and depending on the style. Like there are opportunities in the marketplace and hopefully this podcast is going to teach you all of the different cases. So hope you guys like this. As always, subscribe. You know, feel free to leave a review. I'd love to know how I can do better. Um, Obviously, better reviews is better. And then maybe just give me, you know, five star with some feedback in, in the comment. But in general, we're really looking to kind of be consistent with this podcast and knowing what content or what type of content or what questions you have is always helpful. So please, you know, feel free to reach out to me at uh, Mubarak. That's my first name, M-U-B-A-R-A-K at Shah, S-H-A-H, businesscpa.com. Hope to hear from you guys soon. Take care.